What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. I think we're live. Have we done it? I, I really hope so. I'm not 100% positive. Still trying to work out a few of the kinks. Yeah. And folks, welcome to Who Pods the Watchmen. I'm Grant Davis, your host, and alongside me is... Clay. And just Clay? Just Clay, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Cher. All right, cool. That's cool. And we are here to talk about our final issue of The Watchmen. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're talking about issue 12. So, I mean, I think this is a new thing for everybody. First of all, why are they seeing us and not just hearing us? We're, I, I guess they're seeing and hearing us. Well, depends on how you're watching this. I mean, some people might just be listening to us, but we are trying out right. a brand new experiment here where we are on video. And we have multiple cameras, so you're on it too. Yeah. And I can uh, toggle between these as we're live streaming. We got our logo here, and we got drinks and we're, we're trying this out in the, the studio. I happen to run a studio here in Austin, Texas called Permanent Record Studio. It's Permanent RCRD. You can see the little logo right up there. And yeah, we're trying to video set up right now. So testing things out, seeing how a live stream goes. Hopefully this is going out to YouTube all right right now. And I mean, I think this is a special episode for multiple reasons, not only because we now have video, but because this is the last issue and that is why it's I the final have issue. Uh, some champagne. You or some... let's be honest, I have $12 Prosecco. Wow. Sitting in Fancy. a recycling can filled with ice. All right. So I might pop that. I Let's do it. Okay. It's a celebration. We've done it. We've finished this. And folks, while he's popping the Prosecco, let me just say we are a companion podcast for the upcoming HBO series, the Watchmen over on HBO, we are very excited for that debut here October 20th. And in anticipation, we have been going through and reading all 12 issues of Who Pods the Watch? Oh, you got the plastic glasses? This is basically like a flute. <laughs> this is the closest I could find to a champagne flute. So Very nice. Very fancy. Uh, yeah, so we're going through the entire original 12 issues of Alan Moore's amazing comic book, Watchmen. And we have finally reached the final chapter, chapter 12, issue 12, episode 12. We're going to do a deep dive discussing all of that. We're also going to have a special guest in a bit, call I, in. I believe we will. It might actually be a fan favorite. A fan favorite. Would you say Is so? Is it the sugar cubes? Are the sugar cubes <laughs> calling in? Awesome. If yeah, so. Yeah, that would be a, a rough conversation. But I think we do have a fan favorite. And I want to say, everybody, thank you for supporting us on Patreon and getting involved. And get, also getting involved on Instagram and LinkedIn and AltaVista and Asa Jeeves and all the other social media platforms. Um, I don't. Did anybody send you any fan mail? Did we get any weird Son of Sam letters or anything like that? The Pony Express yeah. delivering snail right. mail? Did we get any yeah, like, yeah. like owls or anything from Hogwarts? Of... <laughs> That's, uh, I think you're mixing shows, but yes, we did. We got owl? It. Harry Potter had an you're, owl? You're in. You got into Hogwarts. Did I? Okay. It's happening. Cheers. The dream is Cheers, alive. mate. Cheers. We've done it. We read it. All right. So, yeah, I think, you know, this was going to be a fun episode because not only are we going to discuss issue 12, I also wanted to kind of revisit some of the other ones and see how this one fit into everything. And a few of our favorite moments, 
least favorite moments, and a few other kind of categories we came up with. Right, right. And now that we've finally concluded this, there's there's a lot of things that I didn't actually remember about this issue and how it kind of plays into the overall mythology of the Watchmen series and the ramifications for what the TV show is going to have to, I guess, live within, like be housed within this kind of universe. It's very fascinating to me. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually more excited now about the TV show after reading this this last one. I mean, because you certainly had some predictions, some ideas of where you thought the story was going. And I'm pretty sure it took a left turn from a lot of traditional storyline tropes and narratives that you probably were anticipating for this. I would agree 100%. Yeah. Um, You know, for me, I think, and I think people kind of were dogging me about that a little bit that I didn't know where it was going. And I think that you know, I don't know if it necessarily surprised me because I don't know what I was expecting, but I'll tell you, I am very, very happy that there was no go back in time and change things nonsense. That would have made the TV show very boring. Right. In fact, now we have a situation where 30 years ago, uh, half of New York was destroyed by an alien monster and we get to f- discover what happened in the last 30 years. Exactly. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually, that's why I said I'm really looking forward now to the TV show and I don't know, necessarily know that I was before. I was going to watch it because of Lindelof and because HBO and it's kind of a slow time right now. Mm. But now it's actually like must-see TV. Well, yeah, we, we've lost some of the other big tentpole shows. Game of Thrones is gone. The question now for a lot of people is what's the next big water cooler show? Like what's going to be that week to week It's show? not going to be this. You don't think so? It's not going to be this. It could be. Lindelof doesn't do the easy thing. After Lost, he probably, I mean, I know he was, he was, he was bummed and feeling some hate from fans. I think undeservedly so. But, you know, and also if you change to me, there's no way I have enough um, wherewithal or whatever to actually look at the camera. You don't have to. So it's that's fine gonna, that you so look at me. People are going to see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You're welcome to look I'm at scared. me. I'm scared. I'm just going to look right in your eyes and keep going. So, yeah. These so, eyes. So, um. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the... Because I'm excited about Lindelof. I like comics. I wasn't even that excited about it. So was the average person really going to love it? Now I am after actually reading issue 12 and going through this with you. But I don't know. So there's value in doing the deep dive. See, I'm hoping that people will start watching the show. And what will happen is very similar to what happened with Game of Thrones. Where the first season ended and people go, I need to know more. And they'll go back in and they'll want to read the comic. I hope there'll be like a, a reinvigoration and, and an appreciation for this original work because I know that Lindelof loves this. He's he's quoted on the back of the book. Right. As right. loving this and praising it as the greatest like artistic medium of all time. Or what do you what do you say? It was greatest something... piece of fiction. Yeah. Oh really? The greatest A-I-I. piece of popular fiction ever produced. Yeah. That's a Pretty glowing endorsement. Kind of a backhanded compliment, though, with popular fiction. Uh, you know? I guess. I don't know. Who wants to be popular? Yeah. No, it's good music for pop music. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't know. Uh, okay, so you had a few things you wanted to address before we jump into this. Did I? Uh, yeah, you had a list, right? Oh, okay, so I didn't know what which order you want to do. Did you want to do the summary of 12? Because I don't know if we probably want to catch everybody up on that and then go to some some categories, or did you want to actually do the reverse? Well, I see that you're and, uh, fingering some noisy candy. <laughs> I'm fingering the M&M's hazelnut spread, which, have you had it yet? I know it's pretty new. Uh, no, I have not. I don't like... I don't like chocolate being mixed with Oh, so you mean the... I should not, have, I should not have purchased the share size. 
No, you should get mint M&Ms. Mint M&Ms are I think that's just at amazing. Christmas. I think that's at Christmas, no? Uh, is it? Well, So I apologize. Just how it goes. No, no, no. By all means, uh, people are listening to us. Get on mic and just munch the shit out of those. Just, yeah, yeah. Drop them onto your book. All of that. It's going to be great for audio. Uh, all right, folks. Let's go ahead and jump into talking about this comic then. I guess without further ado, it's time to talk about issue 12. And the title of issue 12 was A Stronger Loving World. And it's juxtaposed between uh, an alien just wrecking shop on New York City and just dead bodies everywhere, including the Bernies, the Bernie bros. Yeah, and actually back it up a little bit because Baby knows you like the cover. The cover? Yeah. I mean, we know. You know, people know you like the cover, so I don't want to miss that. What did you think think about this cover? So the cover shows uh, the clock striking 12 and blood raining down. It's significant because the doomsday clock has been... A, a looming doomsday clock, albatross, I don't know, <laughs> whatever kind you want to call it. a representation of the anxiety that's building up. And, right. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it, it's the final culmination of everything that people have been afraid of. We now have the world has been altered for better or worse. We'll discuss that. And in a way that is going to just, uh, I mean, now we're going to be dealing with the ramifications. And we have blood pouring down from a clock tower in the city of New York, that clock. So, I I mean, I I get it. I think it's a little bit more straightforward than the nuance of the other ones. But I I still think it's actually pretty iconic as far as a cover. That's what I I would conclude on. It's what we, I feel, we're fearing and anticipating. And the the comic encapsulates that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think that. But it's on the nose. I think they like to do a lot with kind of symmetry mm-hmm. in mirrors here. And if we look at number one, right, the cover for one, we do have the blood. We do have the smiley face with the blood splatter. And so now this is kind of the similar circular shape with the clock face. And uh, now we just have pools of blood. So pretty symmetrical there. Anyway, I don't know that we need to necessarily go on about it. Because you're right, it is on the nose. It's pretty evident. There's not a lot of nuance there. But just kind of wanted to get to the cover because I know you were thinking about it. <laughs> I'm always thinking about it. I do like how all the covers do show the clock and that you see it ticking closer and closer to midnight until the final cover has it at midnight. It's a, a cool way to also tie all of them in chronological order. Summarize this baby for me in 20 words. 20 words? Exactly. I'll count them for you, but exactly 20. Ozymandias. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant 20 syllables. You actually just blew a lot of it. Ozymandias. (laughs) No, no. Okay. 20 words. Ozymandias Mm -hmm. destroys Earth, and the heroes now grapple with the new world that has been created. 16. You're pretty good. Huh? Is that pretty good? And Dan gets laid. <laughs> Dan gets laid. There we go. <laughs> That's all 20. That's all we really care about. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, it's serious. The, uh, the, you see, I mean, it's weird because Alan Moore is very wordy, right? Mm-hmm. He's very loquacious. So for them to dedicate one, two, three, four, five, six, six pages to just the chaos, just artist artistry and the destruction that has gone on with uh, this alien in New York City. I think it's it's just kind of like wow, the the impact of that is is what's most important here in this. 
He wants to show the destruction, the dead bodies, the actual human cost of what Ozymandias did. And then we're going to have a reckoning, I guess, to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I think that that violence and the carnage kind of speaks for itself. And, and when, when you have thousands of dead bodies lying there, draped out of windows, you know, I mm-hmm. don't really think you need to say much. No. Um, and I think that, so just to kind of give everybody a little bit more of a summary, more than 20 words, I think you did a commendable job. Uh, <laughs> but I think we were leading up in, a, in issue 11, we had Dan and Rorschach down in Antarctica right? Trying to get to the bottom of everything and actually trying to stop something that they thought was coming. Okay. Right. So we thought maybe it was a possibility and it was likely that it was going to stop. Also, we knew that the clock was ticking up to midnight. We were getting ready for that. And then we find out at the very end, oh shit, 35 minutes ago or so, right? Mm. Actually the bomb dropped. It wasn't a bomb. It was an, it was a psychic alien. It was a psychic genetic mutated tachyon producer. The psychic brain part the fact that like it goes there it lands it explodes and i guess sends out a psychic shockwave across the planet that is going to like mess up everyone's dreams would you be one of the sensitives who would have bad dreams for a long time or would you be somebody who's a little too daft or dense to to get that are you are you a sensitive soul see i i don't know if no i think i'm kind of a little bit like emotionally dead in certain regards i don't cry at movies ever, the last really? the last movie I cried at was The Sixth Man, which is that basketball movie with Marlon Wayans. Oh yes, folks, I cried at that movie. His he he died, but he came back to help his brother win the basketball tournament. It was very sad. Well, you need to see Like Mike. <laughs> that that's gonna blow. Boy, my do I mind. have a suggestion for you. <laughs> Maybe that's that's the next one I gotta get to. No, I, I I don't know. I think I I can be. I'm like an artist. I can be sensitive in that kind of regard. I guess I can. I I empathize with other people's feelings, but I don't necessarily emote in a strong way. Okay. Yeah. No. I've, yeah. I've always tried to gain your affection and love, and I just don't really see it. So. Yeah. So you know that's blown. So we have the destruction in New York, mm-hmm. and we find out. Of course. I mean, he already said it in eleven, but he did it to save the world. He thought that the world would unite United States and Russia. They were leading up to nuclear conflict. And he thought that was the only way because another force externally coming down from space or wherever would unite um, the, the nations of the world together. We would kind of enlarge our sense of what it is to be, what's in our tribe and who's our tribe. And then we would group together. There would be no more war. There'd be no more bloodshed. We'd have Medicare for all, single payer. You know, it'd be, it'd be incredible. So, but the Bernies die. So I don't know. Is the dream the dead? Bernies die? And oh my God, Bernie had a tough one this week, you know. Ah. But we'll see. So we we figure out that now Vate is going after Doctor Manhattan because of course he has to. He has to under, he has to know that okay, Manhattan's going to come check this out. Well, it, it, it seems more like uh, Manhattan was off of the scent of of Vate, and he he hid everything from him. Yeah, and now Manhattan's after Vate. Right. 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 Yeah, so it's a showdown, I guess. It between, is a showdown between potentially uh, people that actually can hold their own against each other. And I think we saw that. Yeah, that is true. And what won out was it might? No, it was reason. It's complex, though. I mean, he went big boy. He went. I have it in my notes. Kool Aid Man, page seventeen. Because you know you <laughs> love that page seventeen when he's a big boy staring at him outside the window. It's and it was the Kool-Aid stuff. man coming through. I, I fucking loved it. Excuse my language. And and 
we thought I thought it was it was over right there. We actually even saw the lettering was real big, you know. Mm. Uh, it was like Jolly Green Giant. Yeah, his his command. And then he says, and, and then he says, "Oh, I have a secret weapon in my hand, and it's a remote control because he's showing everyone what good he did." And they just kind of had to say, "Yep, that's it." Yeah, um, right there. So yeah. <laughs> no one no one can see it from that. Yeah. Far so back. just for everybody, you know. Okay. So then, everybody's still trying to stop him. What did he do? Let's arrest him. Let's let the world know what he did. And then all the heroes basically decide, shit, maybe the world will be better off. The one hero who did not think that was our main man, Rorschach. Black and white, never the two shall meet. This guy killed somebody, so he needs to he need, he gets to go to the slammer. See, As he's leaving, he explodes. He, he gets microwaved. He gets exploded. One time I was babysitting. Just spy, like by accident. I was like, babysitting once in fifth or sixth grade. Please don't say you put the kid in the microwave. No, but the kid told me that, uh, do you remember those rocks? And you would put them in those machines and they would spin them and they'd throw glitter and metal on them and foil. And no. kind of It would be like glitter rocks. It actually, the product might have actually been called glitter rocks. I don't remember this. So this kid said, you know, the glitter rocks thing is broken. So my parents let me put, wrap the rock in foil and glitter and just microwave it. And I'm, in, I'm a fifth grader, so I don't know you're not supposed to put foil and metals in the microwave. And I was like, yeah, let's put some rocks in there. And it blew up. Not unlike Rorschach. Yeah. That's where the story was going. <laughs> I'm just wanting everybody to know because some Accurate. people might not have read it in a while. And mm. they rely on us for actual information. Right. Rorschach blows up. So now we realize that uh, no one's actually going to know that it was Vate that did this. It was pretty rotten, too. Like, the blood and just, like, viscera is scattering all over the snow. And, you know, John doesn't give a shit. Dr. Manhattan's just like, eh, whatever. Peace. It, it was a bummer for sure. Um, I don't know if it necessarily even had to happen. And I, don't, I think that's a story. That's another conversation. What here had to happen because it happened. But, yeah. So, yeah, we see that. Dr. Manhattan ends up figuring out, hey, there's something weird going on. I don't understand why I couldn't see the future and detect that this is what was going to occur, right? He's he's a little bit thrown off. He's off of his groove, and he's like, oh, I got to go investigate why this happened. So it must be tachyons. Let me figure out whatever. Like, let me triangulate with my all-knowing, all-powerful, all-being self where the biggest – uh, coagulation of tachyons is going on, and he says Antarctica. So he and Silk Spectre just peace out to Antarctica. And when they go to confront him, he's still like, it still seems. Would you like some more champagne? Yes. It still seems like there's this ultimate hero moment for us being familiar with the story that Dr. Manhattan is that all powerful Superman who's going to come in and he's going to confront. Ozymandias, and he's going to right the wrongs. He's going to reset time. He's going to bring people back to life with whatever crazy abilities he has, right? Right. But no, there's there's no real true heroes. In fact, the the true idea of a hero is is Ozymandias basically says it's dead. It says like Night Owl and Rorschach are the last bastions of like an old antiquated system of heroism. And heroism has had to evolve beyond that. And it's having a much bigger picture in a Machiavellian kind of might of the end will justify me doing terrible things in order to save humanity, right? Yeah, and instead of a true hero, um, halfway down on page 13, we have Where's Waldo? If you look at Vate, he's just hiding there in his little booth when he vaporizes maybe the only thing he actually loves, uh, Pugnacious, which is my name for Boobostus. 
Pugnacious. He just he kills Pugna he kills Pugnacious and he's hiding there in a little booth. Mm. And so yeah, you're right. Again, he's not doing this old we thought it was gonna be a showdown, a standoff, they were gonna yell at each other, confront each other, mano y mano, and instead he's hiding in a little booth to hide, to keep him away from the vapor, vaporizing rays. So it's it's interesting that he recognized that Dr. Manhattan's a threat. And Ozymandias decided that it is important that he do s- such a a big mass killing of people with an alien threat in order to save humanity but he wasn't himself willing to die for it right right he wasn't in fact, like he was investing in companies to profit from that exactly yeah. so what's his true heroism here in fact he he still has this these delusions of grandeur that he's going to now set, step forward and create a new utopia based upon the altered landscape of humanity, of society. So his idea of heroism, and then that's exactly right. He's a tinkerer, and his true challenge in life is to tinker and to make a better world because he's succeeded in everything else and it's boring. So he thinks, what's the hardest thing? Let me change the path of humanity, right? And you look at the last part where he's meditating and he looks at that, it's like a galaxy or something, or, or not a galaxy, a solar system, right? Right. And I think it's really telling because obviously there's, you know, the sun in the center and everything ostensibly and he's revolving above it around all. and he's above it all. And if you look to, which I've avoided the notes and like the little things in between, because mm. I just wanted to stick to like the canon, right? Right. But in the, in the original source material, but there are some descript- descriptions of the characters and one of – in his because it says like how does he – how does each character view the world, which was really cool. And his was um, he sees he sees himself at the center of the world or mm-hmm. something like that, right? And, th- and that's exactly what it is here. So what is his idea of a hero and is he doing it for heroic reasons or is he just doing it because it's a challenge and he likes the chase, you know? I don't know. And if, and if some people end up – if there's – if there's, you know, with – the U.S.-Russia buildup or Soviet Union buildup, if maybe 5 million people were going to die and he mm-hmm. just killed 4,999,000, well, whatever, you know, then maybe was it worth it? I don't know. So it's, again, who's a hero and what is a hero and are there heroes here? I I would say there's a hero for every person in a way, right? There, there's there's some virtue that you can identify in in each of these characters, whether it's... Yeah, even even in the sort of pacifism and and just astonishment and the compassion for the humanity that that Lori shows, right? I I would say like she isn't there like charging in trying to uh, kick Ozymandias in the dick or anything. In fact, she's just trying to get over trying to puke a bunch because of the the uh, interstellar travel or whatever she's doing, but. She's locked so much in the thought of of the individuals, the pain of all of them. She seems to feel the most actual empathy for everyone who's died. Um, sympathy and she- well, she's the average Jane off the street, you know, compared to Manhattan, who literally takes her to Mars and forgets that she needs to breathe. Right, right. I mean, he's sitting there, and he's he's kind of talking about. Oh wow, it's it's inter- it's fun to to not know everything for once. And he's in the middle of like thousands of dead people or millions of dead people, and he's thinking about how exciting it is because now he's on the hunt. And she's actually kind of the the real person how we probably would act. You know, I don't mm. know. You just admitted Ted to the whole world of being emotionally devoid, but generally That's speaking, uh, so yeah. I mean, I think that she did. But let me let me say one thing here, and this is kind of going off course, but still staying on Lori. Bring it back to us. 
Take it back to Boca, baby. I don't like to be on there by myself. What was up with page 22? Um, the Dick see. Tracy Rocketeer moment. Have you ever seen this movie called Jupiter Ascending? <laughs> when they cram, I know you just watched it. <laughs> when they cram romantic scenes in where they don't need to be. Literally, here we go. This is one of my favorite things. The millions of people have just died, and she goes, "Yeah, you know, John. He gets he's he he, he got pissed off or something when I told him about us. Mm. And they're still they're in a madman's house. This madman could kill them." And they're still deciding maybe they need to kill this madman, right? Right. And then he stops and he goes, so was, was John cool with it that we hooked up? It just turned into like MTV <laughs> The Real World or something. I actually, it kind of got like Beach House, you know? I have complaints with everything starting with page 20, I think, onward. Precisely. Everything suddenly feels very rushed in the plot. And Alan Moore... Well, you just mentioned Game of Thrones. Yeah, well... Yeah. It's 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 worse than that. It's like Alan Moore wasted six pages in the front, really showing the weight of the destruction of New York, and then suddenly he just had to like crank out some dialogue and get from A to to M really quickly, and uh, so he just starts going, uh, okay, so M&M. what if what if I propose that. Ozymandias says, look, what else are you guys going to do? Let's compromise. And everyone's like, mm, okay. Like, without, like, any yeah. real debate. It no, one, seems... no, one, no one said, are you kidding? Where was the, are you kidding? Right. It's just that um, we first see, like, Night Owl go, oh, gee, I, I don't know what we should. Uh, okay, I guess count me in. <laughs> and uh, then Laura's like, really? Do we have to do this? I guess we have to do this. I'm like, no. Yeah, you what? know. There's yeah. no, no debate. Like, this is a really heavy thing. You guys are constantly struggling with the morality of situations and your role within that world for you to just kind of roll over and go, well, I'm not even going to take the time to think about the the weight and consequences of you committing genocide versus saving humanity. I'm just going to assume that what you said is completely accurate. And I'm going to assume that the blue glowing guy, Dr. Manhattan, who's been so completely emotionally devoid and he's given up on humanity... That if he says, oh, yeah, that makes sense, that he's also right. He's a lapdog. You know, he was the United States government's lapdog. He was, yeah. He then, the only thing he does here, he's Vate's cleanup crew. He goes outside and takes out the trash. By that, I mean he explodes Rorschach. We have this really cool scene, like you talked about, where he's super big. He crashes into the building. And he, he's he's a monster who's like I can reconstitute myself in a matter of seconds. He I walked man's. upon the yeah. sun. You think you can do this to me? And then Vate's like, "Well, check out the TV." And he's like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> he just he rolls over. You're right. He's he he's a lapdog. Yeah, it was bizarre. The whole thing was bizarre. And hey, look, I'm not saying it was bad. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not saying it was bad, and I'm not saying it doesn't make sense and it wasn't the way it should have worked and ended, because. It does make sense to me, and it's not a bad ending. I- I'm not dogging it, but I just still think, yeah, it was rushed. I don't really know that the reactions were genuine. We've lived with this world for the past, like, three months. We've been reading this an issue a week and, and talking about it. So, yeah, we've been really engrossed in this, and we've gotten a real good sense of of the pacing of how he writes and how he lays out a scene, takes his time and, and craft crafts with a lot of consideration, I think. Yeah, this felt really rushed. 
how he seemed to just want to jump into Night Owl and and Silk Spectre hooking up. I can get like the psychological rationale behind it, mm-hmm. but I felt like the the writing in this particular scene no, and, and felt that's a why little bit hokey. Well, I wrote Dick Tracy Rocketeer. It seemed like something that was more like in a 1950s comic book that comes with a stick of bubble gum. Right. Right. I mean, it just wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't up to his usual standards. But I mean, again, maybe you needed some of that old school romanticism. You know, I mean, I want to talk later about how she was the one spooning him, and she. Uh, but you know, we'll get to that in a minute. Her being the big spoon, it was. Uh... It doesn't surprise me. Again, it doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a you're a man of traditional values. Yeah, that's that's me. Uh, a man is the spoon. A man is the big spoon. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so hey, wait, real quick though, what did you think about the? You know, I actually just loaded up, um, much to Diana's chagrin. I decided last night at about midnight, maybe twelve thirty, we were going to start. Uh, the last episode of, uh, I mean, start and finish the last episode of The Leftovers. And we turn it on, and it starts going, and she goes, ooh, an hour 17 minutes? Or no, no, 117 minutes? I was like, yeah, you know, it's going to be a late one. And so we're a little tired today, if you can't tell, if I'm not bringing that usual verve and vigor. But what did you think about the extra bonus we had here? I was getting ready for it to end at 28. He stretched it to 32. Yeah, you're right. It there was something for the fans. There's a, a what do you call that? A den, denouement? Yeah, a little denouement. And much better than book seven of Harry Potter. That's what I'll say. Was that the last one? Yeah. Remember when they're on the train? They're older in the train. That's horrible. I did not think that was bad. I will actually, I do have a quick uh, story about that. That came out when I was in the Peace Corps. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there. I had read Harry Potter every year. So I, I lived with that for like, what, six years, like a lot of us did. Right. right? We couldn't get the book because we're in the middle of Africa. So people would send them to us. And as you know, I think you sent me a couple of things and they took like two it, or three I months to you, get there. I sent you some magic cards and you lost them. They thought they were evil witches cards. And I oh, lost, yeah, like, I, I didn't lose them. I the lost post two sweet ass decks, like a bruiser deck. And a a, uh, a moldy deck. And I was like, fuck, man. Yeah, the post office. I did not lose them. I never saw them. So somebody's there, and I'm waiting for three months for this package to show up, right? And this, there's no tracking or anything. You just got to wait. Mm. And somebody comes into a party. We, get, we would get together like once a month in the, in the capital, in the country we were in, and drink and stuff. And somebody runs in and yells the ending. What the hell? Yeah. Cardinal Sin. Cardinal Sin. Why? Just wanted to, just wanted to be a jerk face and ruined it for all of us, serving our country in a way and ruined it. Uh, so anyway, I was it that one guy I hate? Uh, did you hate somebody? Mm. Nah, I don't know if we necessarily need to talk about that. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember you hating anybody, but either way, let's keep it under wraps. So yeah, so anyway, I loved, I loved the 32. If anybody's going to go read, you're going to get four or five extra pages here. It's pretty sweet. Well, I, uh, let's talk about the biggest issue going on with this last few pages, though. Yeah. It is that m- yellow mustache... On Dan Dryberg. Yeah. His yellow buzz cut hair and yellow mustache. Are you a man really to judge someone else's mustache? Oh, you you talking about this guy? Yeah. Man. How much wax went I understand this is cartoonish. (laughs) (laughs) But also, Dan Dryberg is looking like like Biff. He looks like (laughs) a guy who would become sheriff of uh, of Tulsa PD. 
in modern day. Yeah. And he's Don Johnson now. Yeah. I don't know. It looks it looks horrible. Yeah. Um absolutely. And he's wearing a tie on Christmas Day though, which you have to respect. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing a black shirt and a red tie on Christmas Day. They are looking so dowdy here in this these last few pages. You have you have Silk Spectre and you have Night Owl and they've both dyed their hair blonde. And they have a new hairstyle. He's got a mustache and short hair. She's got short blonde hair. They're incognito. And they're coming to visit her mom. She lives incognito? She's The town of Cognito, Florida? Yeah, incognito, so Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've come to visit the mom. And they're going under the pseudonym of Mr. and Mrs. Hollis. Named after Hollis Mason, the night owl. And what's interesting about that is in the upcoming HBO show, we have a agent, Lori Blake, which is very presumably Silk Spectre. Again, Lori Giuseppic, a.k.a. Lori Hollis, a.k.a. Lori, uh, now Lori Blake, going after her dad's last name, the comedian. And so I guess she's just gone through different iterations and changed her name. We don't really know for sure if... Don Johnson's character is actually Night Owl. There's just kind of speculation that he could be because it's Don Johnson and he would also be of that age. But we don't know. Anyway, no. but we do know now that they changed their names. They've, they've done it before in the past. There's no reason they couldn't also do it again when, you know, the flames fizzle out. There's Speed 1 where Keanu and Sandra Bullock fall in love, but by Speed 2... He's hit the bricks, and you got, you know, the poor man's Keanu Reeves, whatever that dude's name was in there. Ooh, that was a tough one. That was my first date, Speed 2. Was it really? Yeah, and Mm. the ticket taker thought that I was with my babysitter, (laughs) because I think it was like seventh grade when girls are taller than than boys. Right, and you're a tall dude, so I'm a tall tall dude, and she was, I guess she was felt. I I don't know, Um, but they they would not let me in, Um, and then... They asked me how old I was, and I was 12, and I said, oh, oh, 12, 13, 14, 12, 13, 12. <laughs> and then they looked at me and said, well, uh, you're with your, yeah, nailed it. And they're like, okay, well, you're with your babysitter, so you can go in. And so we did, I, did not, I, did not, I didn't get to a second date. You didn't get to second base. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, a second date. Oh. I was 12. I wasn't thinking about bases, buddy. Think about conversation. What's, what's second base in at twelve years old? Little handhold. Little handhold. Yeah. Well, maybe even like a like an arm, like an, your shoulders touch while you're walking in the halls together. Right. I yeah. figure like um, eye contact is, is first base. Yeah. Right. Um, acknowledging of my existence, second base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third mm-hmm. base is we bump into each other. In which, which way? Like which direction? Accidentally. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, you mean you're like tailing her? Like, yeah. you know, she's going to a class and your your class is like on the opposite side of school, but you're following her and she stops and you trip over her? And the ho- yeah. Yeah. And the home run that, that, is... That to uh, you is bumping into each other. The home run is a restraining order. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, her, that's... No, the home run is her parents talking to your parents. Right. Right. Hey, so did you want to visit any more about this particular issue or do you want to talk about the greater series as a whole? Uh, yeah, dude. There's one thing in particular well, you I ta- okay. really want to uh, point out. Ozymandias, when mm-hmm. he is talking about his big old plot where he has dotted all his I's, crossed all his T's, figured out everything, gotten a psychic brain from someone that, and was able to get the writers and the artists and 
um, poets to all kind of collaborate on this this horrific kind of nightmare scenario that they could implant in his brain. He also talks about how all of these soldiers, he had people kill them, and then those people killed themselves. But then he also talks, He let me see if I can find this particular uh, passage here. He talks about how his, um, his servants also fell on their sword. Well, he said they drank and then opened up the... And it's, it's bullshit what he says. Well, of course. But, like, why did he kind of frame it that way? He says, My servant's death from exposure after drunkenly opening my vivarium provides a silent capstone. So when he's telling them about all the steps he took, for some reason he lies in this particular passage about the mm. death of his servants. He can't admit that he poisoned his servants at the last minute. The people that were the closest to him and probably the most loyal, he also killed them just to preserve his... Uh, secrecy. His secrecy, right? Yeah. Um, he instead says that they were loyal to the very end, that they even like took their own lives on behalf of his plan. But that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. He killed them. He opened the vivarium. He buried them in snow. And I think there's something extremely telling about that, as well as the scene at the very end. He, he operates with such a high degree of confidence about, like, in how he's talking to everyone else about, like, what he did. He casually goes, he pushes the button, he's got 35 minutes mm-hmm. until he's dealing with Night Owl and Rorschach, right? He is talking to them just so nonchalantly while he beats them up about, like, what his plan was. He doesn't care. It's like, yeah, this was the right thing to do, and I am absolute in my conviction about that. Except when the one person who might actually be as smart or as knowing as him kind of confronts him. Mm -hmm. And that's right at the end. He talks to Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan comes into his room while he's uh, meditating. And he says... John, wait, right before you leave, I did the right thing, didn't I? It all worked out in the end. And John kind of laughs at him and goes, in the end, nothing ends, Adrian. Nothing ever ends. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty profound right there. Mm-hmm. Because he's lying, he's ashamed to some degree. He can't fully admit what he did. He knows that he's not acting as altruistically or as... um admirably as he kind of wants to imagine he is he's doing some dastardly things by killing his servants without giving them the option to take their own lives on behalf of his quest and then he has doubt he has self-doubt about the ultimate end results of what he did and i wanted to ask you what do you think about that like this is a guy who's operating with such conviction i don't know if it's just that you work so hard at something for so long for him because he doesn't really care. I mean, you're right. He did lie about his servants, which let's just uh, gloss over the fact that I thought they were robots last week. <laughs> you know, it was, a long, it was a long week at work and just thought they were robots. Um, so, and hey, we don't know. They could be. They could be robots. Not robots. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it's just kind of he works so hard at something and then there's this letdown after you, after you achieve your goal. Or if there's something deeper where, yeah, he does realize... Maybe I'm not that savior I thought I could be. Who, who knows? Like, this is not going to end. This does not guarantee that humanity has done this. You know, I don't really know. And his whole idea was to just change the course of humanity and the direction it was going. And now, has he done so? And I guess we'll figure, we'll find out with Lindelof's uh, 
iteration in yeah i don't know what, in, in I, don't know what you're staring, I don't know what you're showing me but uh, uh i'm showing you uh diana sent a picture <laughs> um which uh i gotta go ahead and show this camera here there let me uh switch over to your camera it's a little fuzzy oh there we go we'll have to you'll you'll have to post it you can post it yeah, it is a picture of you and me as two Dr. Manhattans sitting on the rock yeah, you in know, on Mars. There, there's an interesting thing about that, too. I think she might have already had kind of a draft version of that ready. <laughs> she was uh, ready whenever go. I thought I was going to do a podcast with you and then you went another direction, which was fine. And thank God I was able to rejoin you. Uh, she and I got so vindictive and angry about it. We actually started another website and I was about to start doing a competitor podcast. Are you kidding me? I had a fake name. We had a website. We had some graphics up like that, kind of similar. And I was about to start going after you. Why? And it was going to be with a fake name. I was going to do voice modulation. And I was going to prove to you that I would take your ratings down. Holy smokes. Yeah. So you avoided, uh, you avoided a war, buddy. Wow. Yeah. Maybe Vate had a hand in that. That's some serious shit there. Yeah. I feel like... Uh, yeah. I had the camera just on you that whole time. Oh, really? So my, all of my reactions of, yeah, I knew this. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I was going, uh-huh, sure. Yeah. I get it. So what did you think about, <laughs> too, on page uh, page 19, the top? I kind of, it was interesting. You know, I, I try to stay off social media for a reason because I like to avoid this kind of stuff. And it's just basically all the TV channels. And it just really seems like Twitter kind of to me. Just all, you know, I, I get what they're doing. Just an overload of information. Coming from all different angles, you know. Ultimately, as we move into discussing the television show, and we'll do more about that on another episode. But I think this idea of Ozymandias using this kind of one giant atrocity to unite everyone... I don't think it works. We do see evidence of uh, Robert Redford. He's going to run for president. Thank God and it wasn't Reagan. I mean, that's that was what we were looking yeah, at. Yeah, RR stands for now uh, Robert Redford yeah. instead of Ronald Reagan. Bobby. Another cowboy Bobby. actor. Yeah. And he ends up being successful because we see in the TV show he is the president still in the world of Watchmen in the TV. Right, show. right. So he's also gone on for like five terms or whatever. And... It's kind of funny, but also it's interesting how that's going to like affect the the landscape of this world. I think that we're still going to see a lot of pain and problems. I mean, if you think about it, there was this idea that oh, if there's something tra- like hugely tragic that happens, you could take 9/11 for example. 9/11 was a pretty big tragedy. How long did a peace and unity between all countries last after 9-11? It never did. It never did. Yeah. We, we got a, a temporary, like, unification of, of a, a conglomerate of, of Well, no, the countries. Republicans and Democrats held hands and sang a song that, the night of 9-11. They, they passed and, the Patriot Act, and yeah. then a lot of them went... Oh, shit, what did I just pass? Yeah, what did I not look at? Um, <laughs> did I not do my reading assignment there? And, but they didn't care. They were already getting that uh, military-industrial complex money. Anyway, right. let's uh, – yeah, you know, and, and, and that was my thing I think I talked about last issue. It's easy to win the war, right? Like, it's easy to win the war. It's harder to keep the victory. Like, it's harder to it's, – it's easy to, to destroy a country. It's harder to occupy it, right? Right. And with in, in Chapter 11, his great plan was to do this bullshit with this genetic – 
bizarre alien that has tachyons instead of thinking, huh, you know what would be interesting? Maybe I invest in education and campaign finance reform, and then I make sure gerrymandering is taken care of, and then I kind of look at gun reform, and then, wow, people will be a lot healthier, and they'll be saner, and they'll take care of each other, and they'll treat each other as neighbors. And maybe I can even do some, like, don't mess with Texas-style environmental things so people aren't littering anymore. Huh, maybe I can do sol more solar panels so there's not, like, carbon footprint. Huh, or I can have an incredible, but of course that wouldn't make a good comic book. That would be boring. Just to legislate, you would just we would just have a comic book where he's just legislating things, right? <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, and you know we'd see the gavel strike down. Instead, he creates a monster and blows up a bunch of people, and that's my problem with him. That's why I don't think he's a genius. He does have a little bit of that Alexander conquest in him, and he talks about that. Do you think he's immature? He wears gold and metal <laughs> cuffs and has and, and has statue Egyptian statues and gives himself a crazy name. Yes. He's very immature. Right. Of course. Yes. He, he Instead of spending money on kids, well, hey, he might have done that too. He creates a genetically modified tiger cat thing named Bubastis. It's pretty dope though. Bubastis is adorable. No, it's cool. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not for that guy for multiple reasons. But yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you this real quick. Okay. Did he actually catch a bullet? The answer is no. And did it, did he create some cool armor? Bruce Wayne armor, and then it kind of bounced off it, and he caught it off that. Is that what he did? Of course, you can't catch a bullet. If we're operating in this, uh, it, it, well, I mean, hey, there was the one thing where, have any of them had powers? He's smart, but that to me is not a power. Other than Manhattan, which the power was created by science. I wasn't really thinking about, like, what he did Does there. anyone have powers other than the psychic guy that they took his brain? He still caught the bullet after it bounced off of his suit. That's pretty fucking dope, he, right? No, 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 look. He's so smart that he could have even been ready for it. And he just had an, a second bullet in his hand, <laughs> always holding a bullet. Maybe. I don't know. All I mean to say is he did not catch a bullet. That's interesting. Because I was going to ask his, him, it, like, it bounced off his shirt. What's going on there? It bounced off his shirt. He has, like, bulletproof armor underneath there. Okay. okay. No, I mean, come on. That's a good theory. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong, and I'm usually wrong. But it is a good idea because, look, the bullet shows no impact either. It's it's a fully formed bullet. It's not smushed at all. So you're right. Well, no, it, it, it could be, it would, be that he's holding another bullet in his hand the whole time. Or he pulled it out of his pocket real quick as he, he went, oh. The whole thing is just weird. I, I don't Kevlar. see how. And because here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. If he can catch a bullet, what does that add to the story? The comic book ends. What does that add to the story? In fact, it actually takes away from the character if he now has powers to catch a bullet. Because there's also no such thing as bullet-catching powers. Doesn't it add to his hubris? You literally can't catch a bullet. If, so you're telling me his, one, his two powers are he's really smart and he can catch bullets. That's not a power. If he also had that, if, you could, if he could catch a bullet and move that fast, so does he have impregnable skin? Does he have really super fast movement like, like Flash? That's because that's a whole nother power. You can't just have a bullet catching power. Yeah, I don't know. There's no such thing as bullet catching power. You can't be like, oh, you know. He is still bleeding from his chest and his hand. That's what I'm saying. So I like this idea. Yeah, he must it, have had a. It hit It hit his like bullet plating armor, but it's it, it still pierced him a little like bit. more than like a sideshow magician who <laughs> does a little bit of sleight of hand. Exactly. Okay. He'll tell you which card you're holding. Yeah. Uh, so overall, though, you know, I thought I didn't think the issue was 
I thought it was rushed. I didn't love some of the writing in it, but really cool to see the conclusion. And overall, I mean, really good series. Right. You know? Agreed. So happy to do it. I had a few categories for you. Okay. Do you want to do that? Yeah, we got a couple minutes before our caller is calling in. We have a, a special Patreon caller who's going to be uh, giving us a ring ding here in a minute. Very special indeed. So, Are we doing that right now or we want to do some categories? No, no, I want to hear your categories. I'm going to slide off camera for a second. Okay. The first category, and you may need a minute to set everything up. You want me to run down all the categories or just do one no, at a no, time? No, no, you can, you can just say what the first category is. After I just poured myself some more $12 Prosecco from the recycling bin filled with ice. The first category is going to be best issue. What was your favorite and best by, by best, I mean, most, you know, your favorite issue, the most enjoyable to you, what spoke to you, which one did you enjoy reading? And you thought, oh, that was cool. Not even for the book, but just that was cool. My favorite issue, man, I got to think about that. Did you not get ready for this? No, I, I sent you, know, you. I sent you these two days ago. I think that my favorite issue is going to be the, the Rorschach one. I think okay. that him getting interviewed. So that was six. Yeah, I think that was actually a, a really beautifully done and, and fascinating one that shows an emotional weight on an individual. It, it, it gives a lot of insight into him. It does a lot of character study, character building. I think it was actually a pretty powerful issue. That was actually my second favorite one. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. My favorite issue was number four, which was the background for Dr. Manhattan. And I don't know if it was necessarily... The issue I enjoyed the most, but I kind of thought to myself, without that issue right there, would I have kept reading the series? I mean, obviously, I was doing this podcast with you, so I'm going to read it because I had homework assignments. Right. But without, I would have kind of maybe just set the book aside. You know, that sounds awful, but I would maybe set it aside and move it on to something else just because one, two, and three, just so gritty, so so nebulous, so many different things going on. What What's going on right now? No. Okay. I was playing with the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Now that you got your new goodies, man, I mean, I'm glad I don't hang out with you on Christmas Day. God, don't I bet, be like I bet that, your man. daughters just, you know, go through withdrawals because dad's playing with his new gizmos, doesn't have time for them. I'm sorry, were you saying something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was my that was my best slash favorite slash greatest slash most enjoyable. Okay. Hit I think that's a, a good one. Hit me up with your worst. And also, you just looked at my legal pad, so now you know. Oh, don't flatter yourself. I can't read your handwriting. That's awful. Wow. Okay. So what was your worst issue? My worst issue, you know what, give me a second. You, you tell me about your worst issue. My worst issue by far was number two. Number one was hard to read. This comic book had so many different things going on. I told you already that I don't love the 80s kind of graphics. I don't love the coloring. I don't like the character design. I don't like anything. So, you know, number one, I was like, okay, this, I guess, is a classic. I got to read it. Number two Suffice to say, it just did not get any better. There was a bunch of funerals. There was a bunch of flashbacks to the, to the original crew. You know, there was like that kind of rape scene, which not fun to read. I mean, you know, I guess you got to read it, but not great to read. There was nothing really enjoyable in two for me. And I'm kind of flipping through it right now. You know, I mean, I guess we have, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't know why we had to have it. I don't know what it did for me. I would have rather Wikipedia that. You know, I got so afraid. Let me just say this. I got so scared in one of the M. Night Shyamalan movies. You nailed it, yeah. The one they went to hang out with their grandparents. Holy shit. Did you see that? No. Oh, my God. I think it might have been called The Visit. visit the, the Village? Visit. No, no. The Village was good. Best soundtrack. Second best soundtrack of all time. Mm. Uh, 
I was I was in California at a drive-in theater. I got so scared sitting in my car by myself watching that at the drive-in that I left early, went home, and Wikipedia the rest of the movie. And that's what I wish I would have done with issue two. It just wasn't very fun. I see that our Patreon caller might be calling us. Do we need to interrupt categories to actually do that? Oh, wait, yeah. Hello. Hey. Hey. Whoa, okay. okay. We are in business. Grant's we putting are on, functioning. Grant's putting his headphones on. Hello. How was, uh, how was the podcast today, guys? Well, you are on live right now. We are live. What are we, live YouTubing? We're live YouTubing. Oh, my God. Yeah, we didn't really prep you for that. No, no. Well, I am uh, by no means ready for this, but let's do it. You don't need to be. Neither are we. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we had a little competition for whoever was the highest Patreon uh, patron on our site, Patreon.com slash WhoPodsTheWatchman. And our number one was a guy named Sabash Rajan, who is actually one of our best buds. Yeah, and I think actually we've discussed him on the show maybe at least once in detail. Yeah. Maybe twice. And welcome to the show, Sabash. Thanks, guys. It is an honor and a pleasure to be one of the few people who is actually talking on the show. Yeah, you're actually the, when you say a few, you're, you're part of a very elite group. This might be, you're the fourth person, I believe. I know, I'm, I'm the fourth person. Yeah, I mean. I feel like I should be a permanent member now. Little do listeners know that you have been to showings. You've just sat there quietly um, on, your best, quietly. on your best behavior, on your laptop, drinking. And actually, that's, you know, I think that the weekend you left and moved to uh, your mountain climbs where you now reside, we were drinking Live Oak Hef in memory of you. So, you know, and I say I say in memory of not like you're dead, but you're kind of dead to us. If you're dead, we know who's am, six feet I, under you. I am. <laughs> I am outside of Texas now, so it is essentially dead. So, but t- I am in beautiful Colorado, so if you, uh, I do appreciate everything you guys do, and I think I'll have better commentary about the Watchmen once the show starts. But um, what was uh, today's topic? Well, actually, r- really quick, I just want to say to people that might be yeah. curious about uh, about the Mile High State. What is it? The what? What is it? The Rocky Mountain State? What's what's Colorado? The Mile High City. Uh, it's is the Mile High Denver. City and the Rocky yeah. Mountain State. I'm assuming. I don't know. Shoot, I don't know. But it's definitely the Mile High City. Yeah. yeah. Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain National Park, Rocky Mountain State seems appropriate. Hit me up with best thing and worst thing. Uh, best thing is I have had a couple of weekdays off in a row, and I have been able to drive 30 minutes to some beautiful hikes just outside of the city. Fuck yeah. Um, there is clearly uh, a certain substance that is legal in Colorado, um, <laughs> which I have not partaken in just yet, but... Right. It seems to be very popular in the city. Um, and other best things, mm, everyone here seems to be super fit, relative to Texas at least. I thought Austin was a fit city, but not compared to Colorado. Yeah. I think my last hike I went on, I had a 65-year-old lady trail run right past me while I was struggling up a little hill. And she just said, on your left... And I might have, in my head, cursed at her. Yeah. So, you know, keep, keep it in your head. Best and worst. Keep it in your head, yeah. Yeah, best and worst all at the same time. Yeah, sweet. Well, this, so we actually just finished up the last issue. Um, and so there's 12 issues, obviously. And we just finished up. Yeah. This This is the last one. So I think 
you know, we wanted to chat with you to kind of get your, not even maybe if you don't have anything to say about this one in general, uh, get your thoughts yeah. on Lindelof on Lost and the Leftovers, if you've seen that. And also maybe get your thoughts yeah. on just you, because I mean, we went to school together, we went to undergrad together, and you were a comic book yeah. reader as well. Um, what are some of your favorite yeah. comic books? What Just tell us kind of stuff like that. What do you think of Watchmen? What do you think of yeah. this world? So I think... It's one of those things. So two two things that probably popped into my mind. So one, in regards to Lindelof, I know I am speaking to a Stan, if I will, with uh, Mr. Davis on the podcast. But I think his greatest skill, and tell me if I'm wrong here, is his ability to create suspense and questions within a world. Whereas I think... The problem with that, and I don't know, you can tell me if you agree or disagree. <laughs> You're being very diplomatic. Would Lost be, <laughs> be as popular now when people just binge everything? Like, if you didn't have that week in between where you got to discuss and you had to figure things out and you got to banter with other people, would Lost be as popular? Or would people just get frustrated because there was never as many answers? Hey, thank you. Because the, the key thing with Lost was was building another question and building another sort of mystery to try and figure out. Don't, I, I, I don't say thank you to that. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily a- agree <laughs> that, that uh, it wouldn't work in today's climate. I'm somebody who likes the slow I'm burn. Asking. I know, no, no, no I'm, that's, that's not an I'm attack on you. You're, you're our phone guest. I'm, I'm talking to Clay here. <laughs> you're our Patreon winner, so you're, so you're safe right now. Yeah, you're, you're safe from my scorn. I'll talk to you later on the phone, and I'll be mean to you. Um, but, no, I mean, you look at these other shows that are still popular on network TV. You look at... Um, There's not one. Don't say a good place, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out. <laughs> at the good place and the mystery that that follows that i i, I suppose that one isn't um such so laced with mystery and, and online discussion and theorizing but even with something like like game of thrones game of thrones was very akin to to lost in that regard and people were theorizing yeah. Uh, like all over the place because People, it wasn't released all at once. It was released every week. week. To week. Yeah, yeah. That's and what it's saying. it's still survived. He's saying, would it still survive today? But he, but, 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 but he said, no. Oh, okay, but he said binge. Oh, I see. Okay, maybe maybe I misunderstood. When it's in competition with the binge format, oh. because we have we have shows that. Savash, you still there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, you're back. Uh, I was going to say Stranger um, Things, which okay, your mo- that, you just sounded like the only, monster. That was. The uh, question about Lindelof is what you think. Hey, when you go live, fuck it, let's do it live. Let's, let's do it live. I, I think uh, <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I'm are back. you going through a tunnel or are you being att- attacked by an, a monster? What the hell is that? <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and say bye to our caller, Sebastian. Say thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't listen to that. I don't know what's going on, Sabash, but um, yeah. We love you. The phone call is messed up. We'll talk to you later, Thank buddy. you for your support. Patreon.com, if you guys ever want to, uh, go ahead and uh, support us. Patreon.com love slash Watchmen. We do appreciate it, but if your don't, phone don't. call gets messed up, 
We're going to hang you know, up on you. Unfortunately, I think the problem was maybe he was supporting <laughs> us a little too much and he couldn't afford his Wi-Fi plan. Bye, guys. <laughs> Is Bye. that what it was? So, his dial-up modem that he's still using? Well, hey, let's get back to some of my questions okay. that I had for you. And, and now I'm going to remove the, uh, the headphones. You're gonna, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a headphone guy. I'm not a headphone guy. They're a bit warm. I get it. So, okay, so this is now my, and I, I frame this one. I title this one. Uh, what's the Ben Stiller movie, A Night at the Museum? Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. This is the category, A Night at the Museum. When did Ooh. it go from historical relic, dusty, dry, boring? When did it come to life? When did this turn for you? From a tome to something you enjoy. See, I was pretty captivated from the get-go. I think that it's pretty powerful right from the start. But I, I agree that there is a moment where the tension kind of starts picking up. And we start kind of getting going and like, oh shit, things are really happening. And it wasn't, I would say, it was a prison break, right? I wouldn't say it was when Rorschach gets picked up, although that was pretty exciting, but it was a, a brief blip. But when he actually is getting jailbroken by Night Owl and Silk Spectre, you have this very cinematic montage kind of feel to everything. It's like, oh, now now the wheels are in motion. The team's getting back together. We're all going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to figure out what's going on, and shit's getting real. Yeah, that, that for me, it wasn't that one. I mean, that was issue eight. For me, it was issue seven. And I just call it the issue where Dan got his groove back. You know, it, you had the superhero moment. You had him. You know, they got, in this, they got an Archie, right? Wasn't that what it was called? Yeah. They're flying around the city. They're rescuing people. You know, I, I mean, of course, it's a juvenile joke to, like, talk about, oh, the sex or whatever. But he still got his groove back. And then he wore the sweet costume. He's up there like a fucking rock star on top of Archie flying across New York. It was super sweet. And then at the end, he's, she's like, what now? He goes, we're going to go break out Rorschach. And she goes, huh? So he had this funny moment at the end, and you knew like right then, just like you, it was like, here we go. This is getting going. This is cool. That's the entire reason Zack Snyder took on this <laughs> the movie. <laughs> he goes, oh, shit. I can do some slow-mo shit with this. It's going to be sweet. Right, yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that guy. I, I get it. We got to review that movie. We'll, yeah, and we'll I have see. not... Yeah, view for me, review for you. Okay, the next the next category is called Cubes. Cubes. It is the Sugar Cubes Award. The Sugar Cubes Award goes to your favorite <laughs> role player, the character who is not the most important. You can't do one of the main five or six, but just the guy that you like or gal that you like um, or animal that you... Whatever. Who's your favorite role player? My favorite just overall character. Okay. That, that's what you're saying. When I say role, pl- but it has to be the Sugar Cubes has. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Sugar Cubes Award is for the character who's not one of the main characters, is one of the more characters on the periphery who you still like a lot, who kind of who was there for you. Oh, man. I, I can give you mine to kind of give you an example of what I'm looking for here. Yeah. Hmm. So, like Manhattan, Dan, Rorschach, they're all out. Right, right, right. And I'm like, okay, there's the detectives. They're kind of bumbling around. I'm not necessarily feeling for them. There's Bernard, not Bernard. There's the psych, the the therapist, who has a heroic moment at the end. But otherwise, I wasn't feeling him until that that one moment. And I don't know if that's enough of a, like a redemption arc for him, just kind of being this this uh, conceited, 
like a person who mocks the people like at dinner parties who would mock the people that he's investigating for the most part until he had a little bit of change of heart because of Rorschach. I don't know. Um, is there a person? Uh, I guess Hollis Mason just seemed like an earnest do-gooder guy who wanted to go out and punch some Nazis. And mm-hmm. that I liked. That's a good one. That's so I'm going to safe... say Hollis Mason. He wanted to repair cars, right? He wanted to repair cars and like have a beer with his protege on on evening, like weekend nights once a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the sweet life, right? I mean, that's the dream. That's the dream. So, yeah, just getting your muffler going, getting your beers going. Yeah. So, okay, good. I like that. That's a good cubes. My cubes was a therapist, actually. I thought this was a guy that went from something really vapid, a wife who maybe gave him some excitement, but really wasn't there for him. I mean, he was, this guy was popping pills, drinking, obviously was kind of hiding from a lot of demons. And he was having to make nice at dinner parties and do what people expected him to do. Mm. Um, Also, he's a black man in America, which, you know, I know a ton about, but... He's, t- he's having to kind of play the role and play the part. And his wife is getting on to him. And then he realizes at the end, hey, what's my purpose? What's my raison d'etre? And he does it, you know? And I liked that. And I liked also, I just really liked the interaction between him and Rorschach. I thought that was really fun and kind of unnerving. And so I really I, I liked him. I thought he was a cool character to have. I think that the, the story would have been poorer without him. You know, so that's kind of what I went with. Like, okay. like the, I, I the, feel like I kind of like pooed on him like before you got a chance to talk about him. I'm that's like, fine. Eh, that guy. And you then sh- you're like, no, that was my guy. You shit, you shit where you want. You poo where you want. There is something to be said for the sugar cubes. They're background characters. Yeah. They're reliable. They're always there for our hero when they need them. And even if he just takes and discards them in Antarctica, mm-hmm. they live on. They do live they're on because live on nothing in the freezer, freezing. Antarctica. Nothing rots there, so that's just going to stay. They're going to be there. So yeah, no, I mean that's why it's the Cubes Award, and the Cubes Award applies to your life. I mean, you can think every day when you go to sleep, you can have pillow talk and say, "Who was the Cubes? Who who, had, who got the Cubes Award in your life today, babe?" <laughs> and you can just talk about who who was the minor role player. Maybe the person who made your coffee. You know, maybe the maybe somebody you saw at the gas station. Who got the Cubes? <laughs> and you can actually make little plaques. You can make plaques with the green sugar cube on them, and then you can just go hand them out and say, you know what? You deserve this. Earn this. Earn this. Earn this. I don't. I, okay. The cubes is. So the cubes award. So my next one is <laughs> my next one is either MAGA 2020 or CAGA 2020. Just if you you know if What's you want to say keep America great again. Okay. Or make America great again. So um you know who is the most electable. And I don't mean the person who's going to do the best job. I mean for our idiot American electorate. Right. Absolutely undereducated idiots. And I'm one of them. Voting in 2020, or I guess do we vote in 2019? So let's say all six. Let's say that all of them are alive, including Rorschach, including Comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, All six are alive. All stories. And hey, you can even go cubes on this. But generally speaking, who is it? I mean, I'll, I'll go if you want me to go. Do you want to go? Did you even give any thought to my to my? I'm starting to get the sense that you did not even think I would, about no, this. No, 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 no. I mean, I would say like intellect wise, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen for Ozymandias. You can be as smart as a whip, and you are not going to be able to sell the American public. They want flash. They want pizzazz. They want someone who's outrageous. Someone who's unpredictable. He someone literally who can, wears gold cuffs and does gymnastics on TV for hours. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Okay. He's in bodybuilding magazines littering the street. He's super rich. <laughs> he has toys about... He has toys. Toys of him. He does have the ego and the drive to the desire, I suppose. He's absolutely the most electable person. They, they wanted to create a Kennedy slash Robert Redford blend with him, with his looks. And they did it. He's the golden boy. I feel like uh, I feel like the comedian would win. I feel like that guy would come out of left field. He would have this angry, like jaded kind of concept of the world, and he would just fire people up and get them pissed off. And he would he would use that fury to his own end. He would be able to manipulate. People manipulate society. Does that, does that remind you of anyone? I mean, it sounds like you're almost alluding to something. Hmm. No, nothing comes to mind. Okay. Yeah. Weird, huh? That yeah. Because th- that would be terrible if that happened. <laughs> it that, would. That would be awful. <laughs> it's um, awful. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think, and also, I was thinking too, okay, I think it would be Vate, but we see that he doesn't need to be president to have a profound effect on the world. Yeah. So actually, a president's pretty weak position for him. It's kind of a step down. He would oh, have to deal with probably him, minutia that he would not want. For to him to scream, can you ask the president of Finland a, a question? <laughs> and to <laughs> scream at people to ask the president of Finland a question. And then I can just see Vate just tweeting bullshit in all caps and thinking, what did my life come to? I used to be with Bubastis and, I, and Antarctica. I had my, my, my robot buddies in the vivarium. He, he killed Bubastis almost for nothing because... Dr. Manhattan came right back, and Bubasa's gone. That was his only friend. His that was. His only friend in the world. He killed the other guys and didn't even apologize for it. Bubasa's, he at least gave a, sorry, bro, zap. That one hurt him a little bit. That was his cat. But does anybody really miss their cat? I, I, I am not an animal person, but I think so. I'm an animal person, and I don't miss my cat. Right now, right now, I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of things I miss. The cat's not one of them. Okay. <laughs> so it's a larger than life. Cat. You're right, though. That's a pretty sweet cat. So I actually threw this one in. This is the next, the next little guy. All right. What we got? This is favorite cover. And I know you might have to scroll through really quickly. I can't read what you're showing me. Okay. I favorite, do need to scroll favorite through. cover. And I did this for you because you're a cover guy. You're a co- well. Actually, I call you a cover girl. I'm a cover girl. Maybe it's Maybelline. So which one would be my favorite? cover uh man there's a lot of good ones here man do you want me to just sing the cover song while you're while you're scrolling through i gotta say that chapter three has got a pretty sweet skull with all to hell going on on the cover with the radioactive symbol there's a lot of really good symbolism going on there is it my favorite I don't know about that. I was going to say, I don't know why you're talking through this. You need to look and, 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 and take <laughs> All it right. in. Go th- ahead. And... Th- this isn't Grant talks about every cover. This is Grant selects a favorite cover. Then go ahead and jump to yours, dude. All right. I'll, s- I'll sing the Grant song, Grant cover song. Just a little bit of Grant picking out his favorite covers. He wishes he was under the covers getting some beauty sleep. But Ooh. instead he's just here with you guys. Thinking about the look in my eyes when I look at him across that podcast booth. There we go. Chapter 11 has got to be the sweetest cover. It's got the most kind of abstract punch to it with this little slice of 
of life peeking out from under here. I think the metaphor that I was uh, alluding to before of the the soldiers, the servants being buried by sand, and here it's the great works of Ozymandias and his servants being buried by snow works with this, as well as the drip being, like you pointed out last week, the exact same shape as the red iconic drip on the cover of of the... The ketchup the, splat. The ketchup, the human bean juice splat. Well, at the, at the end of issue the, 12, it was ketchup. The smiley face. Yeah. So, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. I couldn't. Well, I don't know how to say that. I could literally, I could not have said that better myself. I picked that one too. That was a sweet cover. I love the white. It's just super clean. The color is unlike any color we usually see in this comic book. I actually don't love that 1980s color and I know every, people listening hate that I say that every issue or every episode but I don't and this was sweet I love that vibrancy um, it was just really rich clean um, and did a lot with a little agreed so, the last category I have how many deaths and, and we're transitioning now to the TV show mm-hmm. how many deaths do you think we're going to have in the first season mm. of Lindelof's right show uh, of main characters no of main characters no, I would no, I guess said, I said no I know, but of main characters, I would guess we're going to have two to three. Two to three people that we think are going to be there for a little bit that kind of catch us off guard and they die. Um, Characters are just like death toll otherwise overall. I would guess there's going to be some sort of event that kills a good hundred or so people. And I'm guessing that because we see like that scene in the circus I'm not sure if that's like an, uh, a scene from like maybe something that happened in the 50s or whatever, or if it's a modern day scene. It's a fairly timeless, contemporarily timeless scene of a circus, right? Um, or carnival. I keep saying circus. Carnival. That's going on in Little Town Carnival. Um, big body count there. I think the battles between the cops and the 7th Cavalry. Um, Zealots, I think there's going to be some body count there. Some cops are going to die. Some of those alt-right bros are going to die. Yeah, I, I would say 100 and 120 people. Dude, that's crazy. What? I said 220. Why did we each... It's almost like psychologically, subconsciously, we think, let's add. Let's just throw 20 on there. <laughs> let's just... You know, because saying another 50 is oh, crazy. Yeah, okay. Saying another 50 is crazy, but... We just throw 20, just kind of cover our bases, give us some wriggle room. You know, so I said 220, and I said 220 because there are, there are the scenes you're talking about. And also we do seem like there are armed groups, kind of militias. Mm. And so if you have a couple militias, like let's say the FBI or you remember in The Leftovers, they had the um, – they like added cult on to the firearm, alcohol, tobacco, whatever. Right. Right. Remember they, they also dealt with cults. Mm. And so I can imagine, yeah, it only takes once or twice when federal agents or whoever – or Tulsa, P- what is it? Are they in Tulsa? Where are they? Tulsa. Tulsa PD storms one of these buildings, you know, and they kill like 60 or 70 militia members or something like that. Or they go after each other. Who knows? Either way, I can see it building up to like 220 pretty easily. Um, so we'll see. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think like, the, I would the, like moon a nice beam, the moon beams in a jar kind of theory that if you guess a number and I guess a number, whatever's in the halfway is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. So, well, we got a small sample size here. But yeah, yeah, we're at we're at 170 or so. So mm-hmm. I'd say that's going to be the number 170, folks. Sabash obviously is not able to talk to us, but let's just say he said 170. Oh, well, there you go. No, there we go. Wow. 
Okay, cool. So that's all I had he's actually. He's pretty for... smart. He's he's number one uh, WatchPod fan. So yeah, he is our favorite uh, listener. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's not our favorite, but he's. Did we have any questions or anything on on the gram? Do you we, know? We I didn't put out any questions this one because I knew we had a lot of other things to discuss. But yeah. I think we did it. I think we've had a pretty big episode here, folks. We have discussed all 12 issues of the comic book. I hope we've been fairly comprehensive with our kind of digging in and our analysis on all of that. We've had a great time doing it, but this well, is have we only just have the beginning. We? I thought we've had a pretty good time. I okay, really whoa, whoa, whoa. you said great time. Now you said pretty good. Let's just take it down another notch. No, look, I've had a great time. I appreciate you having me on here, me being the newbie that I am and kind of taking the layperson's view, comic by comic, not knowing anything. I'm glad I did it. And I think, yeah, were you going to say that maybe we might continue in some form or fashion? We are continuing. We're, this whole thing was a prelude. We're, we're doing this just to kind of get the, the wheel spinning, the, the grease going, the grease heated mm-hmm. up, and the cogs and the wheels. We've and put the our axe body jello. spray. We, we put our axe body spray on, and now we're kind of going like this to kind of just get the heat activation right. going. We're ready to hit the clubs. We're, the clubs being October 20th, the debut of the show. But right. we're not done now. We're, we're not going to just rest on our laurels until the o- October 20th because we still got two weeks to go before then, folks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to be uh, – we're going to be diving into some other topics here. And we're, by topics, you mean movies. We are going to talk about the movie. And I hope you guys are ready for that because it's going to be a lot of fun. That is going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. And I hopefully will be able to do that in the next week or so. Yes. So hopefully everybody, obviously stay tuned. And I really hope that once the TV show starts going, you know, I think obviously we're going to do it as timely as possible, like right after the show. Yeah, we're going to be talking about it every week after the episode. Sweet. Look forward to it. Yep. Uh, Folks, once again, you can check us out, uh, you know, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can follow us at whopodswatchmen.com. Please go and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, be it on Stitcher, on iTunes, over on Google Play, or even on Spotify. And if you guys want to help support us, you can go to patreon.com slash whopodswatchmen. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us thus far, and we hope you guys continue with those monthly pledges. Give us uh, $2 a month. This this $12 Prosecco doesn't pay for itself. <laughs> we will keep drinking. We're going to keep uh, experimenting with things here. We're going to uh, try and do a few more live video episodes yeah. if this ends up going well. We'll see once I do a yeah, final and, cut and, of this. And, you know, as you know, I think uh, my cell phone is broken. So I think Diana might be watching, and I just hope that she knows um, that, yeah, I will be bringing cheeseburgers home after the show. <laughs> she likes to – usually she stays up late and waits for me to bring her um, cheeseburgers. Our live so, pod but, is really just a, a one-way phone. It's like a walkie-talkie yeah, for you to her. Yeah, so, babe, you know, I'm bringing you cheeseburgers. So All right. Cheeseburgers are on the way. We want to thank once again Sabash Rajan for calling us and uh, being our number one Patreon patron. And thank you all. Once again, we'll be back next week with some more Who Pods a Watchmen. Until then, bye. Have a good night.